0: Hi, this is Ben. This is Chris. This is Adrian. This is Clive. This is Lisa. And you're listening to the Wood Fired Oven Podcast with Mark Gostin. A special thanks to English Heritage for giving me permission to bring my recording equipment and record this episode inside Housesteads Roman fort at the very edge of what was once the Roman Empire. English Heritage is an incredibly important charity. They protect an internationally important collection of historic sites and artefacts, which span six millennia, from the ancient past to the present day, and include palaces, houses, hill figures, castles, abbeys, industrial sites, and Roman forts, and even deserted medieval villages. Caring for these places and their collections for the benefit of this and future generations is a cornerstone of everything they do. If you enjoy this episode, please consider making a donation to English Heritage. This will help preserve these amazing places for all. I'll leave a link to the donation page in the show notes. It's late August, early September. The year is 55 BC. The white cliffs of Dover look menacing to the 80 ships which have made the perilous journey across the Channel. The ships contain two legions, the 7th and the feared 10th, hardened veterans of the Gallic Wars. The leading ships sailed closer to the cliffs, clearer now they can see the details, the sheer cliffs, an impossible landing and dotted along the top, snaking their way left to right are British warriors, some mounted on horseback and others on chariots. Julius Caesar looks north and directs the invasion force to sail to a better landing position on a beach further up the coast. But the warriors followed them, keeping pace and watching, always watching. The brave British warriors pounded up and down the beach making the final landing from the ships into the water and wading ashore a perilous mission. The sight must have been terrifying for the Roman veterans, hardened as they were. Caesar himself said in his autobiography, Our soldiers were still hesitant, particularly because of the depth of the sea. But the eagle bearer of the 10th legion, calling on the gods to make what he was about to do turn out well for the legion, cried out. Jump down to the sea, fellow soldiers, unless you want to betray the eagle to the enemy. As for me, I will make sure to have done my duty to the state and to the general. Having shouted this loudly, he threw himself from the ship and began to carry the eagle against the enemy. Then finally our men urged one another on not to let such a great disgrace happen and they all jumped down from the ship. When those on the nearest ship saw them, they all followed suit and advanced on the enemy. The first Roman attack on British soil had begun. Despite heavy British casualties, Caesar eventually made peace and left to return to Gaul, modern-day France. This relative peace lasted about a hundred years until around AD 43 when Emperor Claudius finally launched a full-scale invasion. The far north was always a difficult proposition for the Roman military machine a wild country raging with the ferocious warriors and eventually diminishing troop levels made keeping the far north they had taken impossible. In AD 122, the Emperor Hadrian visited Britain and ordered the construction of the famous wall which would eventually become the northwest frontier of the Roman Empire. The wall built to keep the Romans and the barbarians apart stretched 80 Roman miles which is about 73 of our miles today, from Bowness on Solway to Wall's End on the River Tyne. Forts were built to house troops, and after about 10 years, it was completed. Designed to improve frontier control, rather than purely defensive in nature, the wall must have been an incredible sight. Formidable and an example of what the Roman Empire could achieve. It was occupied for almost 300 years, At the end of Hadrian's reign, there were about 15 forts and 10,000 men stationed along. One of the forts, Ver Vercovissium, which means a place of able fighters, or Houstead's Fort, is one of the best preserved Roman forts in Britain. It probably housed around 800 to 1,000 men. Hadrian's wall can be seen still integrated within the fort too it's a sight to behold it is this ancient roman fort that i am standing in right now gazing north over the wall far to the frozen north is a land unconquered full of the unknown the warriors of the north were feared and respected and this wall right here was designed to keep them away. I can imagine a young infantry soldier standing right here on the icy wall in the depths of the howling winter, looking north at the view that I see now. Little changed in 2000 years, wondering what may lie beyond. Hoping to display the same courage as Caesar's eagle bearer of the 10th Legion did all those years before. North of the wall was a wild place. And if all of this is starting to sound familiar, then you have probably seen George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones. The author is quoted in an interview, The wall comes from Hadrian's wall, which I saw while visiting Scotland. I stood on Hadrian's wall and tried to imagine what it might have been like to be a Roman soldier, sent here from Italy or Antioch, to stand here to gaze off into the distance, not knowing what might emerge from the forest. Roman history intrigues me. Few places move me much as these. To ponder life from a different perspective, from a different age, helps to make sense of the present, I think. To see where we have come from and where we may be heading. Family, food and fire are all very important to me. Probably for many of us. I've said before in a previous episode in season one of the podcast that The ancient remains of the wood-fired ovens in Pompeii, covered with ash for almost 2,000 years, was an incredible sight. The ovens, while bigger than mine, did the same job in almost exactly the same way as mine does in my backyard today. I use a brick oven powered by wood to cook. Well, all sorts of things, including breads, which is probably the main food passing through these ancient ovens. Just as the citizens of Pompeii ate their freshly baked bread from these wood-fired ovens, soldiers right here on the wall standing right next to me. Wow, that's 2,000 years ago Oh, they needed to eat and drink, well a lot of beer apparently (laughs) as well. And I'm excited because I've been told if I go searching today at the fort I might come across the remains of a bakehouse with an ancient wood-fired oven powered by wood and Well, almost certainly Heather interestingly, which is a gorgeous plant found locally around Britain. We use our wood-fired ovens just like these soldiers did on the wall with stone or brick, fire and a fair amount of care and that's it really, not much has changed in how we cook with them. I find that pretty amazing, isn't history a wonderful thing, so connecting. These ovens function so similar and look almost exactly the same as mine in my backyard which is about 16 and a half thousand kilometers away right now. So I'm starting my walk at the fort through the south gate and the wall itself is to the north of me and the sprawling commanding officer's house is right in front of me. It's huge! Goodness it's massive, perhaps a hundred feet by about 70 feet would have been a glorious sight 2,000 winters ago. Now if I look left I'm starting to see the south wall. I've made my way up and walking now down the Weir Decumana, which is the road that leads to the west gate of the fort. The wall itself is to the north of me on my right-hand side. Main headquarters building is behind me, as is the hospital. And beyond those are the sprawling commanding officers' house. Now, perhaps important to our walk today is the granaries. Just behind me, near the north gate, these are huge. Goodness. Probably the biggest structures left behind now to see here at the fort. We know that grain was the main commodity in ancient Rome itself that it was used to make bread and porridge. The staples, really, of the typical Roman diet. Pora folk subsisted on a soupy mash made from the grain. We can thank the Roman grain goddess, Ceres, for giving us the word cereal. If you pounded grain in a mortar and added water, you would have made a porridge-like mixture. And just to the north of the wall, this is a favorite dish of the Scots to this day. If you grind the grain enough, you make flour. More on that shortly. On each side of the road that I'm walking on now were barrack blocks, stretching almost to the western wall. I can see the western gate now in front of me. And this is the best preserved gate in the fort. Now the bakehouse should be to the left of the gate. Somewhere. Ah, ah! I think that's it. I can see it. Is that the oven? Floor? Yeah. I think it. Yes, it is. I can see the semicircular stonework of the oven wall. Wow, it's huge. It's big, bigger than I thought. Actually, this is amazing. It's right here, right in front of me. Around 2,000 years old. I can make it out. I'm right in front of it now, reaching down and running my hands over the stones. Cold now, very cold from 2000 winters. But once hot and baking bread for the cold and hungry brave men on the wall. There are actually remains here of two ovens, yeah. Amazing. They were once embedded, I guess, into an earth embankment right behind these fort walls along the Intervallum Road, which runs inside these stone walls. Easy to access, and plenty of room to queue up and impatiently wait. Your turn to bake your bread. The soldiers were each given a ration of wheat, probably every week, and they would then grind it up themselves into flour before making the loaves and baking them in these communal ovens. A unit of eight soldiers was called a contubernium, and it would take about four hours every day to grind enough flour for these eight men. The soldiers probably took turns to grind the flour and bake bread with this very manageable group size, rather than to do it individually. There would have been one oven for each century of soldiers commanded by a centurion. And that's one oven for each 80 men. These two ovens are right beside a barrack block, so likely they were used every day to feed 160 soldiers. If the fort housed about 800-odd men, that's 10 centuries, or 10 wood-fired ovens in the fort, and that's pretty neat. These two here are pretty well preserved. They got pretty fancy with their loaves too, including twisted shapes. Soldiers had a pretty good diet on the wall, especially meat, especially beef. They loved eating beef on the wall. Who wouldn't? Cheese and vegetables were eaten, and oh, they drank beer, lots and lots of beer okay let's measure it up now I've got a 150 centimeter piece of paracord with me that I've measured up back home and I'm just going to measure it up now and the internal diameter it's actually it measures up at about 140 centimeters internal diameter so yeah that's a good size my oven back home is 105 centimeters internal diameter this one's bigger and I imagine the dome on this would have been uh, bigger as well Now the top of the oven isn't here now, it was probably either clay or most likely more of the stonework, I'm not sure. The floor of the oven and the walls, well they look like the same stone that was excavated to build the wall itself. The thickness of the wall is about 20 centimetres per block, that's the size of the block and there are multiple layers of block and it heads away towards the back of the oven into the embankment but you may well be uh, at least four to five maybe even six rows of this size block were uh, heading back into the embankment so it, it was a very thick dome and that's a huge thermal mass even if the dome was clay the floor would have been a huge heat sink requiring a huge amount of fuel to heat up it's likely that the oven was always kept hot a hundred and 60 mouths to feed every day it would have taken a huge amount of wood or dried heather roots to power this thing up and while the dried roots burn ferociously you would still need a lot of this to keep this oven hot and that would be an interesting experiment actually thankfully the fields were covered with it and still are to this day in the UK you know I can see the soldiers gathered here Next door to the bakehouse, there's a space between the south wall and the barrack blocks. I can imagine them lining up to bake their bread. Huddling together in the drifting snow, gossiping about their commanders, complaining about the weather and discussing what lay ahead on this day. Those who worked inside, looking after the ovens, it must have been warm and a prized place to be. Steering into the mouth of the stonework at the bread's baking on the floor of this oven would have brought a sense of joy, I think, comfort, and certainly a sense of community with their comrades, just as it does cooking in our wood-fired ovens today. It it draws us together. These soldiers had no idea that the fort would still exist in 2,000 years. That we would look at the same view towards the frozen north. Uh, that we could also wait in line right here, outside their beloved baker's. Two thousand winters later. Eagerly awaiting for that first crunchy bite. And this is real life too, it's not a movie, it's not a TV series. This stuff actually happened right here. Actually it's very moving. Literally tens of thousands of loaves of all types of breads and uh, probably other foods too were cooked right here for a period spanning around two to three hundred years. And the crazy thing is here I am, from literally the other side of the planet with a passion for wood-fired ovens, touching and experiencing this too. That's amazing. Thanks again to English Heritage both for the wonderful work you do caring for these places which are for all of humanity to experience and learn from and today thanks again for permission to stand here while recording this episode. So. Folks, I'm going to do something a little different now. One of the benefits of bringing recording equipment across the world to Britain aside from recording episodes for my podcast is I can also record nature and its wonderful ambience. We are all used to seeing pictures and videos of places like these, but as someone who loves sound too, I want to share with you not video or too many pictures, but sound of the landscape. The same sounds these Roman soldiers would have heard as they walked the wall, gazing to the frozen north. What follows, I think, is something a bit special, something different. Enjoy the uninterrupted sound for about 20 minutes. You can relax, close your eyes, imagine what life would have been like gazing towards the frozen north, high up on the wall, eating your ration of fresh bread alone in your thoughts on the very edge, literally, of the Roman Empire. Folks, from this Roman stone wood-fired oven in front of me to yours at home, wherever you are and whenever you listen to this, thanks for listening to the podcast today. It means a lot. Stay safe, have fun and go cook with fire. But first, take a listen to the wonderful world around us.